but that's the great thing about being married is that now I know what it's like to have sex with the most dissolute, uncaring prostitute in the world. <laughs> From the smallest room in New York City. For free. <laughs> For free. Becomes a show that gives you a reason to live. In Queens, Asian on Asian hate crime. Korean ex-cab driver, 35-year-old Keys Lee, pleaded guilty to two counts of robbery as a hate crime. When he was arrested, Lee told cops, I don't like Chinese people, and said, I went to Flushing to look for Chinese people. This is a perfect snapshot of a guy who ends up going to jail. He doesn't like Chinese people, so he goes to where they are. You may fault his reasons, but you can't fault his reasoning. Asians represent by far the largest chick, chick, uh, chunk of the population in Flushing. Uh, with 46%, and uh, the largest number of that group are indeed Chinese. Chinese population in, Fl in Flushing is higher now than that of Manhattan's Chinatown. Which is all to say, he came to right place, find Chinese. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Can, did you say this guy's name was Lee? He's Lee. Yeah, he's a Korean hate criminal. Lee pounced on a woman who was cleaning snow off her car. When she opened the back door of her vehicle, he pushed her inside, pinned her against the seat, repeatedly punched her in the face. Then he robbed her, making off with her credit card, ID, and $2,000. According to the criminal complaint, he said his anger was triggered by a fight with his wife. That I can understand. Uh, joining me now is uh, Seth Barron from City Journal. Hey, hey Seth. Pat, how are you? I'm all right. Hey, when they introduce you as City Journal, did they say, joining us now is Seth Barron from New York City Crime Report? Uh, they'll start pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, after this Wednesday, I think they definitely will. It's New York City Carboard Live at Westside Comedy Club. I can't even believe it. It's Kevin Downey Jr., Aaron Berg, Mike Britt, uh, yourself, myself. Mike Figs, I believe, is going to be there doing something weird. Uh, Ryan Katsu Rivera may be there doing something weird. Great. And Stacy Pressman, Gino Biscani. Wow. I love all these people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love them, and, I, and I, I love working with them. I don't really know them. To know somebody sometimes is to not love them, though. Not to know them is to love them. <laughs> not to know this them. This is really going to be my debut. In fact, until last week, I'd never been to a comedy show, even to view one. Extraordinary. And now, I'm going to be on the stage. I That's will right. be on the stage. Yeah, it's such a reversal. It's such a different place. You One know. time in New Haven, there was some kind of pool hall that had a comedy night, and I think I went. Jesus, I think I've played that before. And that was in, like, 1993. Oh, I see. Who did you see? I'm sure you remember <laughs> their names. I saw this guy, Pat. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't start until 96, but uh, I. you know what? Shit does go back a long ways. I, I, I was talking about Tim Wilson the other day. Well, the first guy that I saw do comedy was Tim Wilson. Tim Wilson. Tim Wilson is a legend. Six foot four or five. He had gigantic hands. and uh, he, was a he was a real legend. He's a real southerner. He talked like that. Hey, you know. Uh, What's it, an like example that? of one of his jokes or songs? Tornado and Twister pissed me out. Can pull a four-penny nail out of a two-by-four, but can't get a bra and tank top off Helen Hunt. One thing I can't stand is a gay tornado. <laughs> not bad, but, but, not bad. But he, it's it's more the uh, the definitely overall, like, uh, definitely a little dated. One thing I would like that he yeah exactly. One thing I would like that he would say sometimes he'd say, uh, "Well, lost crowd, crowd's pissed," <laughs> and he'd say, uh, "I smell Democrats in this room." Okay, he did he did a long thing about uh, Prince Charles. Oh, Prince Charles, because he was talking about how he's he's going to be the king of England. It was all about babies. None of this will be on the show, by the way. This is a conversation. <laughs> uh, he wrote a book, actually, about Ted Bundy. Oh. It was about an unsolved murder in Columbus. 
that he believed was done was, by Ted Bundy. Was done by Ted Bundy. It was during a time when Ted was actually locked up Colum- down in Florida. Columbus where? Columbus, Georgia. Oh. Uh, okay. Entertainment capital of the world, Columbus, Georgia. And he thought that uh, Ted Bundy had done it. Well, I guess you could like ascribe all kinds of things to people like that. Yeah, but you see, it wasn't just like saying he had, that he, he did it. Reason. It was like he had, he had like he had a... evidence. <laughs> Pat, you did faded you... on this so long ago. You faded on this Tim Wilson conversation. No, no, no. Don't ask inter- questions you don't want answers to. I, I, I'm into it. I'm into it. I'd rather show you videos of him, which I will, well, but not right now. Pat, did you? Um, by the way, this this kind of relates. Did you hear about the Anglican priest in England the other day who uh, gave a prayer that Prince George, who will one day be the king of England, Anglican. Priest in England. That he, um, he's three years old, but that he grow up and marry a man. He prayed that he would grow up and marry a man. Yeah. Jesus, he said, that may guy is... little Prince George grow up and find a man with whom to, with whom he can, you know, develop a wonderful marriage and be a good example for other gay men or something like that. Why would they, why would he sexualize a two-year-old? Well, a that lot goes of people, against, they've, they've already done this. Like That goes against re- everything that they say, though. I know. People are really into this. Like They went from not saying, like, don't say that they're straight. You let them be who they are. Right. And now they've kind of just flipped it. Like, he's gay. Apparently. Yeah, like... like we, Prince George is gay. You can tell. Look at him. He's such a little faggot. His yeah, look at the way he's wearing that baby little, wrist. like... Wearing that, like, all those preppy clothes. Yeah. Walking around sometimes it, just in a diaper. His sense of personal stuff. <laughs> I don't know, but for some reason he's like a gay icon. The child. Yeah, he's three years old. A gay icon. But I was thinking. Imagine if you were going to be like, I pray that Princess Charlotte grow up to have huge tits and that she be really sexy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what the fuck? It's right. Like it's, it's, it would be just like considered like the most vulgar, disgusting thing to say. I pray that she grow up and wear yes. short, cut off jeans. Though she be only ten months old. <laughs> One day, I pray that Princess Charlotte grow up <laughs> to have massive breasts, which she displays. <laughs> I mean, Ooh, it would be like and really a tasty like... camel toe <laughs> that we can look at, and, and 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 oh my goodness, that she have long legs. I mean, doesn't it seem kind of perverted that this priest is slavering over like? A little boy. I think it's ridiculous. I think that they just want to have the first gay king, and they're go- and they're willing to raise a child uh, to be gay. I'm sure they. And royalty had gay is kings. always they've always done fucked up shit. There have been gay kings, of course. Yeah, what am I saying? Like, the first probably, gay probably king. That's all ridiculous. Of <laughs> I mean, the majority have been retarded and gay. <laughs> anyway, Lee Keys Lee, this guy, this yeah. guy is an ex cab driver, and he said, uh, you know, I, I had a fight with my wife, and. Uh, you know, I just had to attack this woman. He might not like Chinese people, yeah. Lee, but he, he fucking despises his wife. Oh, right. <laughs> it could be argued, and many people would agree now, that to attack this woman out of anger for your wife is, uh, I mean, for for lack of a better word, unfair. It's definitely unfair. It's unfair it c- to... It could be argued. It's unfair both to the woman and to the wife. And to the unfair and and to women in general because the wife has a beating coming to her that she's not getting and how is she going to learn spare the rod spoil the wife yeah and I hate to say that but there are people who would make that argument so I'm just playing devil's advocate here now 
This guy's bigotry towards Chinese people seems to be, at the very least, somewhat informed. It's based on a direct evidence with Chinese people that he uh, that he logged while driving a cab. He said, oh. I wanted to fight someone because the Chinese people were rude and smoking in the car. I wanted to <laughs> That I can believe. I wanted to pick a fight, and that is when I saw one female cleaning snow. That's almost poetic, isn't it? I saw one female cleaning snow. It sounds like a haiku. <laughs> Just to bring in another um, Northeast Asian population. Apparently, though, not only are they shitty drivers, but this Korean X-axis are also shitty passengers. Well, you know, I mean, Chinese, at least in China, like they, they kind of don't mind um, spitting on the floor. Yes, that's true. They don't. They don't mind talking in loud, hectoring voices. They don't mind saying, why are you so fat? <laughs> that's a, well, that's the English-speaking ones, you know. Or you you just assume that's what the ones yelling Chinese are saying? <laughs> Maybe. Ah! It's like everything sounds like that. It's it's bias on the highest level. Oh, yeah. Koreans disliking Chinese. Korean people, to the untrained eye, may look somewhat similar to Chinese. When I say untrained eye, obviously I mean unslanted. I guess it's like how we can tell at a glance if someone is Canadian. Sure. Right, you know, you can always tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can tell. They can't. But we can. And did you ever have the feeling that it felt somehow like, I don't know, not racist, but like kind of, I don't know, somehow sort of inappropriate that we're not able to determine these things, that we have an interest in it. But I, I, I read something in the Washington Post as I was researching. This is a quote. Lack of experience is a major reason humans sometimes struggle to tell foreigners apart. Psychologists call it cross-race effect. And we are much better at distinguishing members of our own race or ethnicity than members of other races or ethnicities. So wait, does that mean like all black people look alike? That's okay. Oh, okay. That's okay. Is that I don't know if that's really true though. That they all look alike? Do you think they do? Well, we're pretty familiar with them. Well, they look more like each other than they look like us. Maybe I don't so. like to talk about race though because like it's such a. Uh, there's something about that that it, it's almost from the moment you say anything. Yeah. There, there's some sort of a, a discriminatory or like a like some sort of, some sort of a bad thing. I was interviewed the other day by a, um, oh, this guy who's with the Proud Boys brought in a reporter from Columbia University. Oh, great! For, and I said, and I get this fucking person. And out I, of I here. didn't know who that way exactly what I said. I was like, "This is a hit piece, you know that, right?" Right. A woman, a woman with an English accent. The worst. Gonna She's gonna write a total like slam piece. Oh, it's ridiculous. Whatever. But nothing that I said could be considered. I mean, I I cracked jokes. Yeah. Which she laughed at everything that I of said. Of course she did. Because she's so into me. Oh, Not yeah. because she's trying to encourage me to keep saying racist right, things. Right. So, okay, well, so that we we talked about things like she would say, "How do you define racism?" I I don't define anything. The dictionary is like a good source for that, you know. I don't define sure. it any differently. <laughs> My definition of words isn't different from yours, you know. We're really not that different. That's a good answer. Yeah. And she, yeah, she accepted that as the answer. And, and then uh, that's the way to approach this stuff. Is I was like, well, what exactly is your problem with this organization? You know, this fraternal group or whatever. I mean, you know, is it? She here's one thing she said. I should highlight this. She goes, "How come Beyonce won?" the best uh, R&B album, but not the best album. How come that was won by Adele, I think? You know? A white person is all that matters. They're obsessed with the Grammy Awards. And I said, well, 
because who watches that? I, I nobody cares about that anymore. Do you know how many? By the way, Beyonce's won twenty two Grammys. Yeah. Okay. Which is, so <laughs> she's fine. Don't cry any tears for Beyonce. But best R and B album. She got. How come she win best album? I go. Well, it's two different things. And just winning best, you know, R and B album it doesn't mean you automatically win best album. Because if that did mean that you automatically win best album, then you would just win. They would just combine the awards into one thing, you know. I said that's the whole point: is that one may win one and one may win. It's just another award. Yeah. She's like, "Yeah, but why is she? Why?" And I was like, "Okay, if the <laughs> I had to go through the whole thing several times, it's it's so funny because you really have to explain it in a way that that somehow catches traction with a brain like that. Right. They're so used to thinking of something like that as racist and, and demanding an explanation for it. Sure, when there really isn't one, it's just that it happened. It's two different awards." <laughs> And like, why is it so? so I mean, yeah. I, I said, what if the person would it matter? What if the person who won best album was black? Would you still be complaining? Would it would it still be a thing? And she's like, mm, no. Right. Well, basically, the idea is that I guess from that perspective, black people have to win all the awards. <laughs> I mean, it's true, right? They may deserve them. I don't know. Maybe they deserve them, but it's. Uh, it seems I, a little ridiculous. It seems a little ridiculous. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that complete hit piece to come out. Here's something that, that they've come up with now, Seth. Uh, the researchers at the University of Rochester developed an algorithm which, based on analysis of thousands of photos, was able to determine the ethnicity of an Asian person, whether Chinese, Korean, or Japanese. Okay. Now, furthermore, the artificial intelligence of the machine, it didn't just use facial structure to detect differences in the pictures that it was shown Without being told, the computer picked up on and factored in cultural differences to make its determination. Like whether or not they plucked out their mole hair? Exactly. Their hair. <laughs> their mole hair. Their, uh, whether or not they... Well, plucked eyebrows was actually one of them. Okay, that well kind of thing. Oh, or like hair, the way their hair is styled yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just started taking that into account. Whether they had had their um, epicanthal fold, like their eyelid surgery to give them an epicanthal fold. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that something that people do? Oh, yeah. What That's it, very big. Epicantal fold is what makes... Uh, it's it's basically like is, what like a Euro, like um like a Caucasian's eyelid is different than a... Um, yes. Yeah, there's like a, like basically... We have a fold. The fold. So, so, so they want to have rounder yeah, eyes. So they go and get the fold put in. To get it put surgery. in. Yes. How does it end up looking? Do they look weird? I don't know. Well, I have my own method of distinguishing between these... Uh, between oh, these. what is it? Well, it's very simple. And it can be up to, by the way, the machine was picking along 75% accuracy. That's pretty good. But I have my own method, and it it's very simple, and it can be up to 100% accurate. It okay. can be. If the person looks like they're from the future, Japanese. The person is spitting on the floor, Chinese. And if a person is looking with apparent condescension on the first two examples, Korean. Interesting, because Koreans, you know, they generally think of themselves as the best Asians. Do they? Top of the heap. Yeah, well, yeah, they look down on all the other Asians. Yeah, they're, it's a true thing. I, I, which I can is, believe it, it. It's especially funny, but since they're like sort of an inferior role to China, like you know, as a country. Yeah, but they, um, they really resent, I think, this idea that somehow they're like a, a mix between Japanese and Chinese because they have, you know, they have their whole their whole um, indigenous. Uh, Shamanic culture. And like all there's ashamed. 
no, no, like shamans, like you know, like they're kind oh, like of a shaman, like yeah, a, like a shaman, exactly. Right, yeah. Sorry, I was just being a dickhead. That's fine. So what? So what? They have a culture that is based on like a they have some kind of ancient culture that they're really dancing into. around a fire or something, something like that. Yeah, that sounds so dumb. Koreans it sounds gay. Koreans are fucking faggots. <laughs> That's how you can tell. But can you tell the difference between them and a... Like a regular faggot? No, a Thai, a Thai person or a Vietnamese. Like well, the, no, the non-prestigious Asian. Yeah, I can tell the difference. I mean, the uh, the Vietnamese is sort of a jungle Asian. <laughs> and uh, the Thais... I, I haven't seen enough Thais, but I imagine they're like Tibetan monks, right? I don't know. Are they from Tibet? Is Tibet in Thailand? No. <laughs> Nowhere near Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have really not even scratched the surface Cambodi- of my ignorance yet. Cambodians, <laughs> can you tell the difference? Like a Hmong, like a Hmong person, can you tell them? Hmong? Yeah, like the Cambodian hill people, the Shan tribesmen. Are those the ones that were in uh, Minnesota? Oh. The deer hunter. I don't know. Mao, Mao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's no, it. that's they're Vietnamese. Um, See, it's not always possible to tell. No, there's a lot of different... Um, what, Asians type of... There's a lot of them. But you know what? If you talk to an Asian person, they think it's just hilarious that you can't tell the difference between a Japanese and a Thai. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? I, I saw a video with three Asians who were talking about telling Asians apart. They were going through all these things, and then they gave themselves a test, and they didn't do well. Okay. I'm looking at these people going, I have no idea. Right. No fucking clue. So hey, listen to this. I, I want to play so some, much okay. Asian stuff today. So my daughter has a friend who was born in China, okay. and uh, one of the things my daughter likes to do is tell this girl to sing American songs. She likes to have her uh, sing like American pop songs, or yeah. Okay. She actually just had her do this today and sent me a couple. I'm gonna. So let's see if I can. Um, is this on the pretense that that it'll sound really good? That, and that, she's uh, like, she's a great singer. This is, I think, be true to your school. She's lost the melody, but it still sounds. <laughs> yeah, I think there's another one too. Hold on a second, if you're interested. My, it, that's officially my favorite version of that song. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? Better than the Beach Boys. That's a, what an odd choice. <laughs> be true to your school. I don't want this to be happening. Okay, hold on. Like, it's Mac all going is, wrong. Fuck. Do you know the way Mac like? They really try to dominate everything. Yeah, they do. So I'm just trying to play this thing that I'm downloading from Facebook, and then all of a sudden, fucking... This is Sloop John B. Okay. I want to hear her saying, uh, this is the worst trip I've ever been on. 
Yeah, my daughter really uh, had her friend do like a whole bunch of these, and they're they're really something. They should be viral. I mean, you, I think that your daughter is uh, a genius. Do you think so? I, I I honestly do, and I think that she is uh, she's bound to you know break out uh, as a, as a YouTube star of her own. Can I play her slam poetry jam? Yeah, later at the end though. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of material. Um, how uh, did you like? Th- isn't that funny though? Because she just sent me those Chinese songs today. It's a weird synchronicity. It is because, uh, but th- those kind of fit in with the um, the theme we were following. No, totally. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I, I, I certainly couldn't have told she was Chinese just by the voice, but I think I, go- I would have guessed Chinese. Maybe right. Don't you think? It- I feel I feel kind of bad for that girl now. She's going to be well. We didn't say her name, like we could. <laughs> So wait, I want to I want to cover Keys <laughs> Lee here, okay? Yeah, wait, this is a this is a very unprofessional. <laughs> Koreans, uh, like I said, they think they're the best. So okay, in the case of the ex cab driver, first attack on the woman at her car. He uh, Keys said that he and the woman made eye contact, and he went berserk. He said, "I became angrier and couldn't take it anymore. I decided she's the one. I started beating her. So at this point, I was forced to determine whether it was worthwhile to conceive, write." find the right wording and confidently deliver another joke about the eyes of Asian people being different from Caucasians. And uh, there were arguments on both sides. Ultimately, it was decided it was best to move on to the second attack, which uh, was the following month. Now, Keyes punched a woman in the face as she was walking home in Flushing, who he also robbed, taking $2,000. Wow. Why does he hate Everybody... Chinese people? Just because they were so rude when he was driving them? They smoked in cab. And uh, he was mad at his wife. Maybe his wife's Chinese. Well, that's the big question. But uh, it, how do you annoying. spell Keys? Oh, it's his name is Key S Lee, and I've shortened it to Keys Lee since he's a cab driver. His name is Key Lee. Key Lee, yes. Like K E E K E Y. Oh, K E Y S. And he's a cab. He's an ex cab driver. It's okay. perfect. So I. Uh, Apparently, a lot of these Chinese women have a couple grand on them. Well, they're, they're into reason carrying around. They're not they're into banks, with, but, hey, all I, their I money. Have, I don't have two grand on me. What are they doing with two grand? They they you got to sell a lot of DVDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These Chinese women. Sure. They sell a couple of grand worth. You ever have? You ever buy a DVD from a, a Chinese lady I, at a restaurant? I, I, I have. Yeah. And what did you buy? Oh, I, I I used to buy them like I I was a, I would buy one every day. I mean, not necessarily just from Chinese, but Jesus. from uh, Dominicans. I used to buy them all the time, well, and and just so you could get the latest movies for a, for a low price. Yeah, and, or just anything. I don't know. I, I I would just buy them a lot. I didn't have um, what a weird compulsion. Why? Because they're not like very good. Uh, first of all, they're illegal. This is before I was more um, law abiding. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're willing to you know roll the dice on a couple of illegal uh, DVDs. And would it be something that was like recorded of a TV? No, or usually like it was record. Usually it was like some kind of uh, I don't know. Maybe it would have Arabic subtitles or something. Oh, no like big that. deal. No, or, or sometimes it was a couple of times I would buy things and it would be like a version that hadn't been completely CGI'd yet. So, like they'd be on the top of a nuclear reactor having a big fight, uh. and but it would just all be like um there'd be like craft services after the <laughs> well lunch. it would be like the nuclear it wasn't a nuclear reactor it was just like the like a did like you could see the sca- like the digital scaffolding like i whatever. said they got the they got all the money so something this like woman that. told police they found and arrested keys and uh i mean two thousand dollars that's only like uh well that's only like forty thousand cans forty thousand cans some of them like to get cans 
you know those bottles and cans they they pull out of the trash and then walk yes. around. They, you ever see an Asian uh, bodega? A guy, a guy around, a, a, obviously, a lot of Asians have bodegas. Yeah, the Korean. And they have place. cats. A lot of them have cats. Yeah. And it seems as if uh, that's become like a, a viral meme. Now. When that's like a fucking uh, what bodega cat? Yeah, like oh my god, bodega cat. Christ, you know, bodega cat is uh, when you see one of those, you go, well, that place has mice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And every once in a while, you got to get a new cat because. You know, they get tired of doing that shit after a while. You have a real good mouser, and then he's just like, you know what, fuck it. They get fat, and they just yeah. eat salami. and There's trash to eat. Yeah, and they're just like, I don't need this shit. I, you know, I've, I've put in my time. One time, can I just tell a brief little anecdote? Yeah. Um, one time, I had a lot of roaches in my house. Like, tons of them. Yeah. And I was like, what's a good way to get rid of them? So I looked up, and it turned out if you have, like, a gecko, that will eat the roaches. But geckos are, like, really big, and they bark. They bark. Yeah. Then you got to get something to get rid of the gecko, right? <laughs> well, I, I decided, so I went and bought, like, a little chameleon or something, or a salamander. I bought, like, this little <laughs> lizard. It was tiny. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I put out a little thing of water, and I was like, go to it. And I let him loose under my sink. And... Uh, I saw him like a couple weeks later, kind of dragging himself. Like it looked like he, like his leg had become kind of like dried up, dragging himself under something. And that that was the last I ever saw of him. So you you expected this, uh, like yeah, this salamander to eat (laughs) thousands of roaches? Yeah, (laughs) or chameleon, I guess. Well, I guess that wasn't really nice. I'm surprised he didn't come back. And he's dead on the floor, you know. And there's a roach going, please. (laughs) Well, he was really. I mean, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I, I've i had those kind of places with roaches before. The only thing you can do is move. Just put all your shit like in real tight containers until you can get the fuck out of there and just move. Because roaches are there to stay, my man. You know, we, we had them for a while, and this exterminator came, and she actually got rid of them. Now, I will say that the uh, ex-exterminator Larry Izzo yeah. claims to know how to get rid of these things. And I, I I believe him. I do believe him. I think some of these people are a rip-off, but I believe him. You know what's awesome about roaches when you see one and it drops its... It has the egg sac, and then if you can get the egg sac before the eggs... Before it hatches... You, like, I mean, under warm light yeah. and, and try to... And try to, try to like, hatch them. This is Donald J. Trump, President of the United States. You're listening to New York City Crime Report. The problem with this show, Pat, is that you don't understand like the sick shit that just revolves in my mind. Yeah. And putting a microphone and just letting me kind of talk. Let's go back to your daughter. <laughs> Taunting the China girl. 
Are they friends or are they like frenemies? They, they're kind of frenemies, but it, it's it's almost a little like one time um the my my daughter had her over for a sleepover at her other's and she said like the girls Juliet when it was time for bed Julie was like okay well you can sleep on the trundle bed and the girls said your skin darker than mine you sleep on trundle bed whoa like she's really into um really into racism really into like skin color yeah well i mean there you go that's uh, is that the basis for and like she sleeps in bed with her grandmother that's just disgusting and like she's really into like um like they'll eat the sh- they eat the shrubbery around their apartment like there's some kind of sh- <laughs> there's some yes there is there's some kind of shrub that's edible and now like, are they now are they chinese or are they goats <laughs> they're they're chinese but i mean they're really like um do they eat chicken feet? I mean, you heard the girl's accent, but she's lived here a long time. Some of them are just stubborn. That could be. That's how Vic Henley is. He's been, he's a, he's from Alabama. He's been a, in New York City for 35 years. Still talks like this. That's how he really talks. Well, God bless Refuses him. Refuses to let go. Why, why should he? Why should she? Exactly. Well, here's the way that story uh, ends, okay? So uh, and he, he, here's what happens. So this woman is, you know, Chinese. And in the second case... He lost his temper when the woman cut him off in traffic. Shitty Chinese driver, so he tailed her and then followed her on foot after she parked, and then uh, punched her. That's how. Wow, this guy—he's <laughs> got some major issues. And he seems—he's uh, like I came to Flushing to because I hate Chinese people and I wanted to find some. That guy is a no. Where did he live? Uh, this I don't know. This I don't know. Because you know, there's maybe a he lived number. in K Town. Don't yawn. <laughs> There's a fair number of of Koreans in Flushing too, I believe. Yeah, uh, there are, there are. There's a lot. It's it's forty six percent Asian. That's and it. And a lot of the and, and a lot of those are. Yeah, you'd think more, right? But that's by far the biggest group, of uh of the uh, of the groups. Uh, now, before the English, this is about to get really tough to follow. Okay. Are you going to talk about the Flushing Remonstrance? Maybe you should talk about the Flushing Remonstrance. I don't really know what it is, except that it, it's a thing. Well, then I'll talk about, before the English were here, Manhattan belonged to the Dutch. And yeah. the Dutch bought Manhattan from the Lenape Indians. The name Manhattan, from the Muncie language of the Delaware Indians, meaning island of many hills, but other theories say it comes from one of other three other Muncie words. Uh, one is uh, uh, Manahata. That's a place where wood is available for making bows and arrows. Oh. That seems very stereotypical, doesn't it? It's like a land yeah, where me right. make them tomahawk or something. Yeah, right. Now, the manatee is another word, manatee. And then manahak tenink, which means place of inebriation. Oh, well, that also sounds kind of um, stereotypical. It does, doesn't it? Land of cheap cigarette. <laughs> well, we know that they have uh, issues. Now, I was under the impression that Native Americans weren't exposed to alcohol before European settlers began to arrive, but that is not true. A Wikipedia article entitled uh, "Alcohol and Native Americans." Escli claims how uh, he said there was a. The article says there was a surprising number of scattered accounts of intoxicating beverage uh, use 
throughout the United States prior to white contact. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That's interesting. Now, a lot of the writing that you find about Native Americans, I don't know how much of you, I don't know if you've looked into this, but the the article mounts an insistent attack on any idea that threatens to undercut the notion that Native Americans were anything but supremely intelligent, highly developed, morally upstanding uh, group of cultures, and, and in every way equal or superior to white Europeans. It Definitely superior. Knowledge, skill, and experience. You've, you've experienced this, right? Sure. They do all that, everybody writing about them, while forcefully making the point that they were mercilessly and repeatedly cheated, tricked, swindled, lied to, stolen from, and out-bargained by the deceitful, conniving, opportunistic settlers at every turn. Uh-huh. Now, the article points out that the Native American problem with alcohol, uh, you know, historically uh, and today, is pretty severe, and... With one survey of death certificates, was a four-year study showed alcohol-related deaths to be four times greater uh, than the general population. The rate of fetal alcohol spectrum syndrome, seven times greater than the national average. And it goes on and on. There's so many things. They, they die from falling down. Their livers go. Their bladders go. Their kidneys go. They suffer bad eyesight. Do they have um, drunk driving accidents? They have many, many, many drunk driving accidents. Do they have um, strokes from drinking too much? They certainly do, and they also have kids. They're drinking at the range of like 80%. Do they have wet brain? They have all the shit that alcohol can cause times a fucking billion. Yeah. It's not that they were too backward to have discovered alcohol, we see, though. See, the stuff they made was, was weaker. It was gentler on the system. They primarily consumed it in ceremonies and shit. Oh. One such ceremony, popular among many tribes, was uh, it's, it was called uh, the High Pucul Lima Paca Inta de Mana, which translates roughly into, uh, well, it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Fair enough. And then one, uh, this is a real annual event at which the Native Americans imbibed. Uh, it was the uh, Green Corn Ceremony. Oh. A corn I'm sure you're aware, was a vital crop <laughs> to the tribes. And there were many traditional stories about how corn was first tasted, uh, the great spirit, so forth. It was a yeah. celebration and religious ceremony practiced by the Seminole Creek, Cherokee, Yuki, uh, Iroquois, and others that, that lasted up to three days, involving drums, dancing, singing, a lot of other activities that varied from tribe to tribe. But at the nightly powwow to close out the day's activities as the chief told stories of myth and legend the men of the tribe would be presented with small ceremonial cups in which would be served an alcoholic beverage made from corn called tulipi and among these groups of men it would sometimes be agreed that every time red cloud used the word maize they all had to take a shot <laughs> so ceremonial use yeah it's- and so what happened why did they go from Ceremonial use to constant use. Well, it's because of those goddamned early traders. They they uh, learned that the Native Americans were lightweights, and so uh, the the wily Europeans would often sell liquor or serve liquor rather during trading sessions with the Indians. Uh-huh. Like, hey, how about a glass of booze? Oh, right. But it's also noted in the same article that the uh, early Europeans were basically shiftless drunks, pretty much served alcohol all the time. Right. But it's presumed they were out to fuck over the tribes with firewater. Well, today's learned historians freely call out the duplicity of the white Europeans who arrived with their potent liquor and concepts of property rights, ready to take advantage of the savages they encountered by plying them with drink after drink, and then financially and probably often physically raping them. Mm. And now that that's been explained, 
for a moment. Put your knowledge aside of that. Yep. And forget everything you've ever heard about the sale of Manhattan by the Indians. Okay. Because if it in any way implies that the Native Americans might have ignorantly made an enormously bad deal on this massive land sale to the Dutch, well, then it has been debunked with prejudice by today's learned historians and writers of online articles. Now, here's what's here's what's known. Records show in either 1624, you could probably tell this story because I know you know your history, 1624, 1625, Peter uh, Miniwit, yeah. a Walloon from Weasel, part of the Duchy of Cleves, third director uh, of New Netherland, negotiated the purchase of Manhattan Island from C.C.'s, chief of the Canarsies, for the price of the value of 60 guilders. And that was calculated by a New York historian, uh, somebody named Broadhead, in 1846, to be about 24 bucks. Well, today, 60 guilders is $33. Oh. Now, they're taking exception with this number. You know why? Because it makes the Indians look like a bunch of chumps. Kind of. It really makes them look like, like dumbasses. <laughs> they're like, really? This whole island? Give us like $24 worth of shit. Like a bunch of... Um, Jews harps and stuff. Yeah, okay. That was one of the things that they... Oh, really? Yeah, there was listed that some Jew harps. Jews harps was... Those I, are pretty cool. They're pretty... Like, bow, 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 bow. Yep. And I've never seen a Jew actually cut loose on one, though. I've tried. <laughs> I didn't see it. Mm. But they fuck up... I, I'm always afraid I'm going to chip a tooth with one of those fucking things. I, I used to play a Jews harp sometimes. Now, like I said, 60 guilders in, in, in 1626. In today's dollars... You got you got me like that much money with inflation yeah, today yeah. would be twelve hundred sixty nine ninety three, one thousand two hundred sixty nine dollars ninety three cents in sixteen twenty six about thirteen hundred dollars bought the entire entire island of Manhattan. Okay, now it's not specified what the merchandise was uh, that was exactly valued at sixty guilders, so we have to look at some other shit. The purchase of Staten Island, for instance, a few decades later. The deed says the Dutch traded 10 boxes of shirts, uh, 10 L's of red cloth, 30 pounds of powder, 30 pairs of socks, two pair, two pieces of a duffel, whatever the fuck that is, and uh, some awls, 10 muskets, 30 kettles, 25 adzes. Ad, yeah, adge. Adzes. Okay. Like cutting tools. Yes. 10 bars of lead, 50 axes, and some knives. Okay. Now, in addition to all that, which was supposedly considered cutting-edge technology, at least by sure. the Indians. The Native Americans demanded 600 fathoms of wampum. <laughs> you better not fucking yawn during this, because I was up this morning I'm not doing even wamp yawning. wampum to fucking... Yeah, well, what is the wampum? U.S. dollar con con well, conversions is, is not easy. The fathom to wampum to dollar conversion. Okay. They talked them down, first of all, to 400 fathoms. Six hundred would be exorbitant. Isn't a fathom like six feet? A fathom is a length, and so uh, that was. But they stopped doing it uh, by length, and they counted, and so a fathom became a number, and it was like three hundred and sixty beads. Wampum's oh. wampum's beads, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, it's made from shells. Oh. Various mollusks were uh, used as currency in trading with Native Americans. A fathom of white wampum worth five Dutch guilders. Or two and a half beaver skins contained three hundred sixty beads. This is the uh, this is the art of the deal, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. in, in the first place. So in New York until sixteen seventy three, the value of a bead of wampum was one duit, which was two penning. Eight duits make a stiver, and one hundred sixty duits make a was a gilder. 
160 duets to a guilder, 60 guilders in 1626. So uh, where was established as worth $907.09. So 60 guilders okay. was $907.09. So we're talking like $45,000. <laughs> no. No, no, nowhere close. What, 60 guilders? Uh-huh. One guilder equals $900, I thought you said. 60 guilders. Oh, 60 guilders. It's worth the whole 900. Uh, 400 fathoms of wampum times five. Yeah. That's 2,000 that's 2, guilders. 2,000, 2,000, yeah. And in 1770, that was 40 bucks. So in today's money, that's $1,120.10 of wampum. That's just the wampum. <laughs> yeah. And it's only Staten Island. <laughs> Right, and we're not trying. We haven't. We have to. You have to factor in ten boxes of shirts. Ten boxes of shirt. Two L's of cloth. <laughs> thirty <laughs> pounds of powder. Thirty pairs of socks. Two pieces All of duffel. The, the edge. Ten the muskets. Edges. Yeah, edges. twenty-five yeah. of those. Ten bars of lead. Nice. Thirty kettles and fifty axes, and then wampum in the amount of fucking fuck over a thousand. So the question is, did the Indians sell for too low of a price? Okay, so let's move gradually, but not too gradually. Two hundred years later, John Jacob Astor, he became the wealthiest man in the world. He'd been buying all the land he could in Manhattan, and during his lifetime, the population in New York City went from 25,000 to half a million. Good timing. About 200 years after the Dutch bought Manhattan from the Indians, Astor was able to take possession of a, a, an Eden, a place called Eden Farm, and that was around the area, which is now Times Square. He purchased a $25,000 interest in a mortgage, and they defaulted. He foreclosed and subdivided part of that 22 acres into 141 lots, which he sold for $5.1 million around 1830. In today's money, $5.1 million was $129,584,965.59. But it would still have been a better deal not to sell and to just lease the land because can you imagine what the value of that land would be now around times like if you basically own times square and all like 120 acres around there mm-hmm. yeah I well mean, no we're it's talking 22, about 22 acres okay 22 acres i mean it's we're a talking very small about amount like, of land that he's that he sold for that yeah but in midtown manhattan we're talking about like now it'd be worth like i don't know 10 billion dollars or something so there's, there's still a yogurt store in one of those 141 plots <laughs> uh it's uh, no, you're right. Of course, property appreciates. Sure. And so, uh, at the rates that he charged for land during that time, say around 1830, 1840, yeah, the entire island of Manhattan would have cost in 1830 34 million two hundred thirty thousand dollars, and that today would be be eight hundred sixty nine million seven hundred forty three thousand seven hundred ninety eight dollars and forty six cents. As of 2014, the average cost of a buildable square foot of property was $579. Yeah. Okay. So a square foot of property mm-hmm. becomes, when by the time you get to a square mile, that determination, go you know, square feet to square mile. Yeah. A square mile then, by that calculation, would be... It would, that would be sixteen billion one hundred forty-one million five hundred ninety-three thousand six hundred. That's for a square mile. If it's all the yeah. same, uh, that buildable rate of five hundred, which is just an average. There's some shit that costs, you know, way more. Yeah, way more, more than twice that. So there's two hundred. There's twenty-two point two square miles on the island. So the entire cost of every buildable foot on Manhattan would be 
to buy the island now. Three hundred and sixty-eight billion, three hundred fifty-one million, one hundred sixty-five thousand nine hundred fifty-two dollars in today's prices. So, did they get fucked? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because some of that wampum probably looked pretty nice. It's, it's it, very shiny. Now in seventeen seventy, white now wampum. Say, there's a lot. <laughs> white wampum. We're not talking about like muscle shells. No. Well, you know, the black wampum was worth twice as much as the white wampum, and the purple wampum as well. It should. It's uh. Special smooth blend of wampum. Give me that wampum. Back that wampum up. It seems like... Uh, now, here's, here's what you'd yeah. like to know. Yeah. How much was that in 17, you know, 76 dollars or whatever? Because that's about the same as, as the 1626 and shit. Okay. Okay, so did they get fucked? In, in 1776, that would be 13,644,218,591 dollars. It would still be in the billions, even in their dollars. Going be here's the thing. Say if if the white man had never taken over. Yeah. Say if like in 1640 or so, everyone just packed up and went home, and they were like, "Yeah," and the Indians just sort of whatever. They paddled around. Maybe they caught some fish and beavers around Manhattan. Uh, they didn't really develop it. You know the Indians used every part of the beaver. I mean, what would it be? What would it be to say it was all undeveloped? Yeah. Well, then today it wouldn't be, a be worth paradise. It, it, it wouldn't be worth five hundred billion dollars. What would it be worth? Ten boxes of shirts, two L's of knives, six pounds of powder, thirty pounds of powder, white wampum, white wampum. We're not talking about like muscle shells. Oh, I don't know. It depends if nobody was living here. I mean, I I don't think it's worth a shit if you have nothing on it. Well, that's my. The point. only reason I'm here is because there's shit here. You know, because I mean? there's comedy clubs right there's up pizza. the fucking street, and I mean close by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a fucking sure, had a bucket of a... chicken delivered on Thanksgiving. Oh, really? It's about the food delivery. It's what, that's what it seems to be about. I mean, when's the last time you went to a museum? Um, I went to them a bunch when I for, for like first three, four years I was here, and then I just was like, uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I went to the Whitney a few months ago, and sometimes I go to the. The Met with my wife if she makes me. Yeah. Um, Do you ever force her to go to like a professional sporting event or something that she's no. going to hate? No. No, but basically once a month or once every. She does have to fuck you. Though. <laughs> well, that's. So it's a trade-off. Yeah. I mean, really, I get away with doing a lot less than I should have to, given given that factor. Oh man, really? I mean, I, I mean, I if think you about really, that, if you think about that, it it. it there's, it's it's really it's really uh, she's really getting the short end of the stick given <laughs> how few arts performances I really go to versus how often she's forced to uh, you know do that. You know, my wife this morning woke up, Mandy, news where Mandy's dad and I heard I heard the alarm go off and I hear her moving around and shit on the other side of the curtain. So I said, I go over there, I give her a hug, and I'm laying there for a minute. You know how you do when you're married, and uh, she says, uh, and then like you know, I get a little. Uh, you know, you never know when these things are going to happen. No, no, no. It I got, I got, I got, I got a little excited, and uh, and I, it's not what I went over there for, but it just happened. And so, I start making moves and shit, and she goes like, "All right, well, I, I, I got to get to work, you know." And she needs to work on her shit because she's got a deadline. And I'm like, "Yeah," and I'm like, uh, "I come on, we need to, you know, I, I'm, I'm pushing." Yeah. She goes, "You got five ten minutes, <laughs> right?" I've been there. You got five, ten minutes. Just fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> it was an utterly selfish act. Sure, sure, sure. And no, that def- actually, it's such a great thing to say. 
I wish she said that every time. Yeah, because I'm like, not? I don't need five ten minutes. No, <laughs> I need. Give me a deadline. I that to, to, to challenge me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Give me three minutes. Three minutes, right? Sure, a minute and a half. Give, Ninety seconds. I mean, I'm I'm yeah, racing definitely. the clock. I'd hit it. I know I would. That's the great thing about being married is that um, it kind of turns into a game show. A little bit, and then like there's so many times when it's like, oh well, now I know what it's like to um, fish and beaver. Someone who's just gone into like a private quiet space, <laughs> or now I know what it's like to have sex with uh, the most dissolute, uncaring prostitute in the world. <laughs> For free. <laughs> For free. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. I, and it's just like, oh, whatever. Um, I mean, look, you know, that's just an occasional type of thing. No, I mean, she but does think, her part. But look, I mean, think of all the, the fucking dance performances I've had to go to. I can't even imagine going to one dance performance. Oh, my God. A performance of dancing. Watching people dance. Watching, like, modern dance. Mm. Um, and your wife claims to enjoy this. Sometimes she does. She represents herself as one who enjoys well, it. Well, she represents herself as like you know wanting to see it beforehand. I see. And then usually afterwards she'll be like, "Yeah, that wasn't so great." One time she dragged me to see. Okay, um, in the 1920s there was this author, Gene Toomer, and he was part of the Harlem Renaissance. He was this kind of very white-looking black guy. He wrote this book called Cain. And a couple years ago during, I don't know, the Fringe Festival or some bullshit, she dragged me to see, it was like a, an opera version. Some 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 troupe had made like some kind of musical or opera version of this novel about southerner, southern black people cutting cane, cutting sugar cane. So I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so, so we go, and I'm watching, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then I, I look in the program, and I realize, they were all from the eastern shore of Maryland. I was like, oh, this all makes so much more sense now. This is like regional theater that somehow has like tricked its way into the Fringe Festival. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Well, wait. What's so great about the Fringe Festival? I mean, Nothing. Why, why can't regional theater be? Sure, sure. But they, they, that's what it was doing. I mean, it, it wasn't like the Fringe Festival was anything great. That's what the Fringe Festival is. It's oh, regional in fact, theater. In fact, that's the point. It's that's passing itself off. That's the Fringe Festival passing yeah. itself off. As the that's Fringe Festival. That, that's kind of what I mean. Like I mean, I, I don't have any investment in the Fringe. This is the only time I've been to the Fringe Festival. I've just okay. never heard you shill for something like this so strongly. No, no. As you are for the Fringe Festival. No, I'm not. Trust me. <laughs> so, like, you know, going to see something like that or, um, I don't know, like, going to see String Quartet. I mean, it's not like I do this very... I, I normally no, get out you of do it. not earn the pussy you get. You, you're a bad husband in that way. Me? In particular, or, or no, you. I earn oh. zero. Oh, oh. Okay. I d Mandy hasn't dragged me to an event uh, in in. It's been months. However, you know, like you have to go see the mother-in-law. You're talking about a, a walk across town, sort of. I gotta go. I gotta get on a plane and go to fucking San Diego. Well, San Diego's yeah. nice. Yeah, but the plane isn't. I mean, I don't hate. I don't hate doing it, but I'm just saying. You know, that's a big. That's a big investment. I, I, I would it. not be doing that if it wasn't. If she was like, "Do you mind if I just go by myself?" I'd be like, I would. I would be jumping up and down wait, wait, then, with glee. Wait, hold on a second. Then you're saying then I have to 
be in the apartment by myself for like four days. Ooh, oh, I didn't boy. think of that. Huh. I have to be here like uh, with, and, and it's just gonna be quiet, totally quiet. Yeah. Right. Huh. Okay. Um, um, if it has to be that way. Yeah, I guess. Let me tell you, the worst thing that I went to with my wife was, she's she's very um. She's incredibly optimistic, okay? Ah. Maybe you could even say naive. I see. And she grew up here, but she still is kind of enraptured and ensorcelled by all the all that New York City has to offer. Charming. Uh, could be, or, you know, maybe kind of uh, stupid. But so <laughs> one time she, you know, she brought me to this thing. She said, oh, I heard about this, this new thing. It's called Because Jewish. And it's like some kind of like nouveau. It was like this hippie Jewish guy and all these like incredibly dumb people doing their own kind of Shabbat services. And it was like they would go up and do these like read from things they'd written. It was such unbelievable shit. Mm. And at the end of it, would they shrug and go, because Jewish? It was so horrible. And like we had brought food. There was like a potluck thing. And we brought food in like a new Pyrex dish. And I was like, we have to leave. And she's like, yeah, but the dish. And I was like, it's worth it just to like give them the dish and we'll just like walk. So we just left. It's a scam. That's how they get you. It was so horrible. Anyway, so I go to things like that. So yeah. I kind of figure I've earned it. Right. I mean, we're talking about museums. I mean, Jesus, when I you know, go to a museum, it's child's play compared to that kind of shit. Oh, boy. You're talking about meeting people. Fucking exchanging fucking foods that you don't really want. No, no, we, we we left before the food. Oh Christ, you didn't even eat. We didn't even even eat. No, we just left. That's hilarious. Yeah, but because re- Jewish. <laughs> it was insane. It was insanely bad. It sounds like the worst thing that ever happened. It was among them. Well, uh, in Manhattan, a curious story of a 68-year-old Manhattan accountant who lured his 23-year-old clerk to his home office, told her he wanted to teach her about. Income tax returns. You know what that means. Eileen Kim's suit in Manhattan Supreme Court accuses married boss, 68-year-old young Tai Choi. Uh-oh. Of creepy old man shit, including pulling her onto his lap and trying to kiss her. It sounds like the worst of it. Uh, it it's not that so much what he did, but it's, it's the things he said. His romance talk was a little oh, dated. Uh, yeah, the suit says uh, it started in, in, in the weeks after she went to work. Uh, for him, and uh, Choi began telling her that she needed to come in after hours for, quote, alone sessions with him on Sundays to teach her about personal income tax returns and accounting. During the session, he told her, quote, she was an angel sent to him for sex and compared himself and her to Adam and Eve. Okay. Uh, When Choi yanked her onto his lap and tried to kiss her. This is the worst trip. (laughs) <laughs> I ever been on. She screamed and pushed him away. And she's suing for unspecified damages. How the fuck much money do you expect to get because this guy pulled you onto his lap and kissed you? Can you imagine some secretary from the 60s being like, well, Okay, he, he, payday. He did what? <laughs> Come on, man. You know, it's funny. My mother-in-law worked for um, ABC in the 60s. And she said about like the Matt Lauer thing, she's like, you know, I think we're all pretty down about if they that. They fired everybody at ABC who did what Matt Lauer did. There would have been no ABC. What did he do? That's what I'd like to know. I haven't heard any of those. They they stopped being specific about some of these things. They kind of did. They're just like, well, I mean, he I guess would like kind of take his dick out a lot. Take his dick out? Yeah, I think so. Jesus. 
That's now that, that I wasn't expecting that. Oh, I thought he would probably just like you know stand too close to somebody in an elevator or something like that, or like just fucking like act act like he's joking around when he's really kind of like wanting to. No, fuck. no. Apparently, he was take kind his of, dick out. Like, and he had a button under his desk that would lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fucking. That's like your what you fantasize about when you're a kid. Yeah, that that's the way you'll sexually harass somebody. You know, right? Have a, 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 you can. Hit a button. A trap door is another one. Well, it's funny because I have told, a trap door. I don't know. I told you about like that. I made some joke on Twitter today, and this woman was like, "That's horrible." And I fear for the women you work with. Oh yeah. Well, what was this joke? It must have been like, "I'm gonna rape every woman in my office." I mean, you would think for for it to inspire that kind of response. Yeah. But then I was thinking about it, and I, yeah, and I wrote her back. I was like, "Oh sure, sure, yeah, I'm terrifying." Um. I was thinking it's funny. I was thinking, gee, do I ever do anything questionable at work? Could I get in trouble that way? And then it occurred to me, no, because I do everything I can to avoid women at work. <laughs> like having anything to do. I mean, women are horrible. I mean, I, I don't want to sound horrible, really rude, but. Not on this show. Women are you like. You mind your manners when you talk about women with. on this show because uh, I'm, I'm not going to tolerate that. No, I know. I'm not going to tolerate one minute. And of I'm that. not even going to tolerate what I'm about to say, but women are horrible to work with or for. Now that, now that's okay. Yeah, I understand yeah. that. I mean, yeah, just to be around them <laughs> is a, a to- it's torture sometimes. You know? Even women, I think, acknowledge this. Yes, they do. They freely acknowledge it. And they, they, do, they, they will privately acknowledge it to you. And and not say it in front of each, of each other, you know. What no, I mean? no, no. When when they're around, it's like all we're all on the same team. Uh, they're unity. And well, you know what I say. Like you, you hear a lot about the the wage gap, right? That women are only paid say three cents on the dollar or yeah. six cents, whatever it is. It, it's yeah, something like that. Well, I say, listen. Obviously, this is true, and women are being underpaid radically. Yeah. So what they need to do is form all women companies, pay themselves, you know, just say 10 cents less than men would be making, and they'll put all the male companies out of business because they'll be making such huge profits. And, and they'll still be making 10 times what they were. Exactly. Go go and do it. It'll be over for us when they do that. Well, you know, we'll be stuck because we should turn got, the whole country got, into... They've got the smarts. They've got the know-how. They've got the organization. They've got all the pussy. They've got that. They've got every... 100% of the pussy is owned by... Is they, they're sitting on it like the Arabs uh, with the oil. Uh, Pat, it's like some kind of weird... Trend. There are men with pussies. No, those aren't men. Yes. No more. <laughs> are you crazy? If that has a vagina, it ain't a man. Well, how about like a trans man? I think we I can, mean, figure, trans we can just figure them out of the equation. Yeah, maybe so. Because I'm not really, bar- I'm like- not bargaining for that pussy. I'm talking about the pussy that I would be bidding on. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Some people think that if women sold pussy, this would be a bad thing for women because they would be, you know, like trafficked and all that yeah. kind of shit. That's why they want to get rid of prostitution. The Swedish model says it's illegal to buy pussy, but it's not illegal to sell pussy. Did you know that? Well, it's also um, apparently for them. If you're a, uh, if you're like a Iraqi migrant or whatever, or Syrian or an Afghani migrant, it's not illegal to take pussy. You can take it. You just can't buy it. Swedish model. They can sell it. That's okay. How is half of this trans? Because it's so presumed that they're a victim. Their victimhood is automatic in that situation. It doesn't matter if they have a pimp. It doesn't matter if they were right. kidnapped. If, right. if they spent any time in a warehouse at all, right. I think if you if you're gonna be the victim here, 
Yeah. You should have a sob story that's convincing. At least. Maybe you don't. Well, and if you I, don't, then you should own up to it and be like, no, I'm a whore. And I, you know. Right. Well, I think that's the way they do it here, too. Like, they really don't prosecute. I mean, that's a big thing in, in, in New York City. The, the the presumption is that a woman who's a prostitute is um a victim of either sex trafficking or, like, the Johns. Mm. They don't really prosecute women for prostitution. They do everything. They, they kind of, you know, I think they give them services. I mean, what I kind of picture is, like, these women, these kind of Martha types who are like, like, oh, we saved, we found this, we found this girl, and she was, um, she was selling, she was being forced to sell herself on the street in Roosevelt Avenue, and we got her an apartment, we got her away from that whole life, and then you won't believe what happened. I found her there again. They must have gotten her. They must have gotten to her. That's kind of what I picture. <laughs> I kind of wonder if like some of these women are like the, like these do-gooder types. They're like, she told me that she has had to give oral sex to men up to six times a day. <laughs> That's more than I've done it my whole life. <laughs> like no sense that like, well, maybe these women are... Um, Willingly complicit in this. Yeah, maybe she... They go after... If, if you're a guy who gets caught patronizing a prostitute, they will fuck you up. They will totally destroy your life. They'll take your car if you're driving a car. They'll put your, na your name and your picture in the newspaper. They'll prosecute you. You'll get in a shitload of trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because you're trying to... It's a little recreation for you. In her case, it's like that's her only job skill. Yeah. Sucking six dicks a day or whatever, you know? Six, probably at minimum. That's I that's mean, a low number. That's a, yeah, you're, How can you make a living sucking six dicks a day? It's impossible. Actually, you probably could do an okay job. I mean, say you got like 20 bucks each, and that's probably low. No, yeah, but what, 120 bucks a day? Well, if you're living like you in a room somewhere. Well, of course, you have to give some of that to whoever's forcing you to do this. <laughs> Good they prob probably it. they probably do have a lot of a lot of them probably are being forced like to have like um yeah you know some pimp or something no, some yeah I mean like there was a massage parlor in Brooklyn and they, those girls were there twenty four seven they never got to leave hmm. and so they were like uh, that's suspicious yeah they probably yeah. were you know trafficked and they they came here you know some sort of scheme sure they show up and it's like I gotta do what <laughs> yeah I guess all right it's fine they're very submissive the Asian women. You know, that's the thing about them. They're very submissive. Is that true? Not the ones I've met. No? Well, maybe you need to go get a nice long massage in Brooklyn. <laughs> if women sold pussy, yeah. right, and it was legal to do that and legal to buy it, yeah, we would be all fucked. Because regular women would just start selling it. It'd be like, you want some pussy? You'd be around the house. They're like, you got 200 bucks? They would have all the money. If it was legal to sell pussy, women would have all of the money. No, they would they would have all of the money. Set they would have every dollar of the money. I don't think so. People would just give it to them. Well, there's already a sexual marketplace. Yeah. But you know what? If they could sell it, it would have to be regulated by the government and that would mean they would have to take on all comers and charge them all the same price. <laughs> oh, I see. It'd be like it's the proverbial birthday cake for a gay wedding or, or well, whatever, so you, you know. You see it just as like um like a commodity, like wheat or pork belly. Yes. But don't you think that 
No, no, I, not exactly a commodity. They, it's more like it's more like heroin or coke. But wouldn't they be allowed to uh, charge Prices? less or more? Not based on somebody's looks. That's discrimination. Yeah, but they could. They would have to have their prices clearly displayed, huh? Oh, I see. Or if they, because if it wasn't that way and they just sold it casually, they'd still have all the money. Because wouldn't you just like go buy pussy from somebody? Well, I mean, I don't do it now. Yeah, but it's, it, there's a stigma. You should, it's like you said, if you get caught, you get fucked up. We're talking about a world where it's just like, hey, how much to fuck you? And yeah, they and they're like, uh, how about a world where they're required to sell it, not just where they can, but they, it's it's a well. requirement. <laughs> now you can name your price, and we can mm. negotiate, but it can't be over. You know the government regulation, and, and they set a standard, kind of like the Eau Claire rule with dairy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I don't, for some reason I'm not pulling that out of the memory banks. What's <laughs> Should I ask? I think there's something called the Eau Claire rule, and it has to do with like price supports for milk based on the distance from <laughs> based on the difference distance from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. All right. Well, let's. Uh, this, I, this is this shows kind of a weird one. A special huh? birthday wish. In a nutshell, uh, I, I'm going to give you the backstory here. 25 year old Tyrell Shaw. He'd been living in Manhattan and creating art. Namely, bow ties made out of unusual objects like hmm. Scrabble tiles, which he foisted upon celebrities, which he would then uh, you know, try to uh, get his photo taken with. So you see him with uh, various people, uh, like, uh, say, Adam, Adam Sandler, you know, was, was one of them. Anyways, lonely, though. Apparently, he really liked Asian women, and he often approached them and was rejected. Uh, in fact, he spoke to, by his count, 1,500 Asian women, in less than one year. That's a lot. And a bizarre string of attacks occurred in June 2015. Uh, two on the 10th, one on the 12th, and another on the 15th. Each of them had been struck by a man who had spoken to them and then come back swinging a white or gray plastic bag with a hard object inside. Dear. Right in the nose. Now the, uh, the attacks corresponded with bizarre blog posts on Mr. Talented's WordPress site. Shaw said that he had a goal of hitting one million Asian women playing a game called Bash Asian Women in the Nose. Great. Similar to the knockout game, but it's just the Bash Asian Women in the Nose. But after the sixth victim, he felt discouraged. He was on his way to his million, to a million, and he, he hit six, and he's like, Ugh. I don't think he, like, <laughs> got a lot of ground to cover, you know? And there's plenty of Asian women. We talked about this, flushing. There's a lot. This is a quote from his blog, and so you can kind of see where this guy's at. By starting an independent civil war where I will hit over a million Asian women in the face with a stick will change history, he wrote. Here's my plan. Every Asian woman by herself must be hit in the face. I may even take a photo before hitting them. The reason is because I don't think Asian women like me. And that specific one or two or three um, may have never met me. Oh. So I think it's brilliant to give all Asian women a legitimate reason to hate me. He also said he wanted to hit him in the nose to make them stop doing coke and pay attention to him. Okay. He thinks they're all on coke. Yeah, he sounds kind of like... Are you looking uh, up the Eau Claire rule? I did look it up. <laughs> and I was right. Okay. No, I'm listening. I'm For listening. surveillance video and the accounts of the victims, police determined Shaw was their suspect. But before they could catch up to him, this post appeared on the Mr. Talented blog. It says, Hello world, I'm moments away from leaving my human body. 
I discovered a way to make another person murder me without ever knowing it. I tied a noose to the bottom of an elevator, and I'm patiently waiting until someone goes up, leaving me hanging. I would like to thank everyone for supporting my ideas. I love you, and I will miss you forever. Well, yeah, he will. Who who um, who supported his ideas? No one. He says, uh, also, I've scheduled posts to my blog, so for the next 10 years, I'll be posting from the other side. <laughs> so he was discovered in the basement under the elevator of the building on a 700 block of Madison Avenue on the Upper East Side. At the time of his death, Shaw was wearing what's described as a silver spacesuit-type <laughs> outfit. Now, didn't you say you knew this guy? I, I didn't know him, no, but I knew. I mean, we, we talked about this at the time. He was believed to have been dead for days, by the way. He was stinking the place up. But before he died, he wrote on his Mr. Talented blog explaining that he'd been, uh, he'd set up his WordPress, like I said, set up his WordPress. Occasionally, uh, we get an email saying, uh, hey, Mr. Talented has a new post. And we got one in November, just a couple of weeks ago. And, oh. you know, life, priorities and stuff. I sat there for a little bit. I figured okay. it could wait. He's dead. <laughs> Uh, and it, uh, here's his, his most recent post, November 16th. Yeah, let's hear he it. He says, I'm glad that you all found my work fascinating. I'm not sure how much it's going for, <laughs> but I hope you all enjoy my work. It's safe to say you'll find it brilliant. A true asset indeed. Did David Letterman retire yet? Today's my birthday. <laughs> I'm dead. By Mr. Talented. It's kind of a clever, um, I mean, it is an interesting, like, you know, performance art piece. Yeah. It's it is actually from beyond the grave. This is the kind of thing that Andy Kaufman fans always like to imagine he had done. And here he is. He's like the unsung Kaufman. Uh, I'd like to wish happy birthday to Mr. Talented. Thank you for the blog post. Yeah, man. Keep us posted on what's going on just before you died. Don't leave us hanging. Now, listeners may recall uh, from uh, November twentieth, two thousand fifteen, one of the most gruesome stories. Ever told on New York City Crime Report. What was it? Uh, It was that of a woman who just had, she wanted a baby so bad, so bad, that she killed her pregnant friend and cut the baby out of her body. Uh, This is a woman in the Bronx now. Ashley Wade found guilty of second degree murder and kidnapping. Kidnapping, they got her because she took the kid out of the... Even though, was it dead? No, the kid was alive. Oh. See, she uh, had pretended to be pregnant. Yeah. For a while. This was her friend. Yeah, uh, yeah, her friend. Yeah, so she, her friend was pregnant. And she pretended to be pregnant. Yeah. So Ashley, uh, she was jealous. She was obviously jealous. Wanted a kid. Give me that baby. And, and also the attention that a mother gets. You know. Yeah. She and so I guess the baby's just kind of at the center of all that. You know, because yeah. you have like I wanted to do a shower and I wanted to because she did all that shit. She bought clothes. She made all these preparations and faked it. Faked it for uh, for her and for her family. Faked her own pregnancy. Yeah. Now, every woman it will at some point in her life fake a pregnancy. Almost all of them. I'm going to say all of them. Without exception. They f- yeah, they, but not for nine months. No, 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 not at all. Sometimes only for a few minutes. Yeah. But usually in the range of about two or three weeks. Uh, most, not all women will fake a pregnancy. Uh, so when she stole the baby girl... She faked it. Did I mention to her boyfriend, family, on social media when Sutton was eight and a half months pregnant? Even to her gynecologist. Yes, <laughs> who was fooled. Uh, she was eight and a half months pregnant when she visited the Wakefield apartment of Ashley Wade under the pre- uh, pretense of picking up a present. She's like, come by and pick up that gift. 
What she was thought she was going to get a gift. It was a knife in the throat. Oh, no. Yeah, she stabbed her, and her slow her throat was slashed in such a way she couldn't scream for help. The major blood vessels in her neck were cut. She bled out, and then she used a paring knife to deliver baby a Genesis. Genesis with a J, who was a present. The beginning. This is like... yeah. This is the way good things start, <laughs> like the Holy Bible. <laughs> Should have named that kid Revelations. <laughs> present in the, she was present in the courtroom at the sentencing. They they brought a two year old. Baby, in there. yeah. During the trial, prosecutors showed jurors bloody photos from inside Wade's apartment and described her as quote calculating. That's the definition of calculating. It is. I mean, she made every calculation. She had to fool a bunch of fuckers. She uh, took a great deal of care to avoid the abdomen, the prosecutor said. If she would have killed the baby, that would be worse. That would have ruined the whole thing. <laughs> Not only would it ruin the whole thing, but it would have been worse, right? Wouldn't it be worse if she killed the baby? Yeah. It? But this guy's making it sound like she took a great deal of care to avoid the abdomen. Yeah, I mean, really, that's a mitigating factor in her... Uh, in Insanity her, defense, maybe. Well, no, in her in her innocence, because she tried... She did everything she could to sp- to make sure the baby wasn't hurt. That's kind of how I see it. I mean, like, you know, of course it was for her own personal baby gain. Uh, the defendant needed Mrs. Mrs. Uh, needed Miss Sutton to die, and she needed Genesis to live. What did she do? She didn't really do anything. She didn't really plan ahead very much, except to have the just to get the baby. She didn't like. What was she going to do? It's funny. She the, planned the, it right up to that point. Yeah, planned it really well, and then it falls apart at the point where you have a bloody dead friend who's expected at a fucking uh, party. A bloody dead friend whose gut is like totally like open, yeah, and whose uterus has been removed from her body. Yes. And whose baby you have in your arms. Yeah, and, and you're just like, well, the baby will make everything go away. Yes. <laughs> that will be the answer. Once I got that Once baby. Once I have the baby, well, what are they going to do? I got the baby. It's my Convict baby. to mother? It's my baby. Right. You know, possession is nine tenths of the law. That's what she said. It's my baby. She said, this is my baby. Is that what she said? They came there. They found blood all over the place. She's holding a bloody baby. The woman's dead in her home. She goes, no, no, this is my baby. <laughs> is that really what she said? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'll i read it to you uh, as it's stated in the paper. Since Please I, do. I told it very colorfully there. No, you did. It was, great. It, uh, it was yeah, beautiful. It, by the way, it's a story so horrible that one of the jurors fainted upon seeing the evidence during trial. They must have been some gruesome crime scene photos. Uh, Wade... Wade did say she was sorry, by the way. Tears ran down her cheeks. I wonder if she had sympathetic lactation. Doubt it. Because she had no real sympathy. You know what I mean? Yeah. She was. I, I doubt her period was even synchronized. Oh, wait, you, you're not on your period, are you? When you? Yeah, but she wasn't pregnant. Yeah. No words can say how sorry I am, Wade continued. I'm so sorry for hurting so many people. I wish I knew why. Can I have the baby back? <laughs> I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. Her defense of extreme emotional disturbance had been rejected by the jury, which found her guilty last month. Two counts of second-degree murder, one count of kidnapping in the horrific degree. And it, uh, it was almost two years ago to the day, hmm. if this was November 20th. So who's taking care of the baby? I think we talked about this last time. Daddy, daddy taking care of the baby. Daddy, daddy, baby daddy. He's got it. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. He got this. He's he, that baby's getting him a lot of fucking ass. I, I, I said this in the past. Yes, what a horrific story. 
I you guess, know, but was he that even poor baby him? mama's dead, and he's taking care of that baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so when it was evident, like I said, that the that son could no longer fight back, she cut her uterus and delivered the baby baby herself. Like I said, she'd spend she saved that baby nine months before killing, faking a pregnancy. She saved that baby's life. Well, who was the dad? Uh, Genesis oh, Senior, the fake baby. Oh, that I do not know. She you know might, who it I, was? You, might, no, you know who it she, was? She had a boyfriend, though. It was Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> the child was... Does, uh, he, does he have to pay child support for the baby that doesn't exist? That's a good question. I guess it's a miscarriage, technically. Justice Clancy did say this about the baby girl. She inevitably know that the day of her birth will be forever tainted by the murder oh, which yeah. happened at the very same time. Oh, the mom, because her mom's dead. Tainted. Baby, you know that. Uh, the, noting the judge that, she felt compelled to give away the maximum sentences. 25 years to life. And then 15 years on the kidnapping. And five years probation. So we're looking at 40 years to life, plus five years probation. How, what do I you think, think she'll probably be in jail for a long time. 40 years to life. She uh, could go free by... 2040, unless a parole board orders otherwise, and I don't think they will. Well, or if she's pardoned. <laughs> Cuomo? Governor could, Cuomo Are you could kidding? He could pardon her? Well, I mean... I mean, I knew in, like, a capital case. Sure, he could pardon her. They could, like, have with, with her, if they find out the guy's innocent, they pardon her, but they, she's not innocent. Stab this woman to death. I'm not... Thr- yeah, slash her throat. I don't know why you want to see this woman walk. Well, Ta-Nehisi Coates, you know, who wrote Between the World and Me, yeah, um, he Clark. believes that no one should be, he believes that everyone should be let out of prison. <laughs> I want to have him on my show. <laughs> Good and luck. Get, get an interesting perspective. Good luck. It'll probably cost like $70,000. Yeah, I'd say like, these motherfuckers can't even close Rikers. Right. You know what I mean? You can't even make Rikers run right. Yeah. Why does he think everybody should be let out of prison? I don't what? know. Oh. I don't know, but I thought I you might have read up on the theory. No, I saw in some interview, he was like, it was funny. It was like some kind of panel discussion, and they were talking, and he's like, well, you know what I think should happen about incarceration? And they were like, what? And he's like, I think everyone should be let out of prison. See, that's the moment you realize somebody's not worth talking to. Yeah, and they kind of, it, it was an interesting moment, because they did sort of be like, they were sort of like, uh-huh, oh, okay. Oh, they didn't, so really, just, they didn't ask him for follow up. So you're just a fucking jackass. Yeah. Oh, so you're dumb. All right, we get it. <laughs> it was a trap. It was a trap. Yeah, they. It she was she a lured, trap. She lured them in. She lured this um the, her friend. She in. even set up a baby shower registry for her fake kid. By the way, so people bought her fake kid still, gifts. Can we still um, buy her? No, uh, we can't because it's been shut down by now. Yeah. Oh. Kid's a toddler, for Christ's sake. The imaginary kid? The ima- what? <laughs> can the imaginary kid go to um, imaginary UPK? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's for all kids. It's inclusive. Yeah. It's not just for a certain type of kid. I just love that. that, that okay, I know I was trying to... Like find like what the fuck uh, it was that she was doing. She was sitting there holding the baby. She claimed it was her baby. That's what happened. And they were like, well, "Why she, is your uh, friend? Um, why is your friend's stomach sliced open?" Uh, that's not my problem. I've got to take care of my baby. <laughs> my baby comes first. 
I'm sorry she's feeling bad. <laughs> uh, I know. Hey, if you're looking for a safe space in New York, good luck. I hope you find one. But you won't. And I'm not talking about the kind of safe space where college students go to recover after their callous English lit pr- uh, professor failed to provide a trigger warning for one of the more shocking Canterbury tales. Oh. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about literal safety. If hosting this show for six years has taught me nothing else... It's that New York shit happens everywhere. And I'm not putting New York City up as the most crime-ridden place on Earth. Not by a long shot. However, cops arrested a 27-year-old man. They say pleasured himself in front of a sleeping woman. If there's a safe space, it is not on the subway. No. Don't fall asleep. I hate to victim blame, but if you were awake, he could never jack off in front of you while you're asleep. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. This is a number five train early uh, in the morning on a weekday. Captured Kevin Bailey inside the Flatbush Avenue, Nostrand Avenue train station around 4 a.m. after the mom woke up and found him touching himself in front of her. Touching himself. The startled mom flagged down NYPD Transit Police Officer Carl Daniels. It's a good thing Carl Daniels was there. Uh, Bailey punched him in the face, though, and he ran away. Really? Uh, It was a brief struggle. The officer wasn't seriously hurt. That's good. Charged uh, Bailey with public lewdness. Cops, they they, they charged him with that and sex abuse. But who's the victim here? You know what I mean? Like, you have this guy getting pleasure. Really, women are against anything that, that a guy's that gives men pleasure, I think. You think? Is that what it is? Women are basically, like, Puritans? They're pure haters of the pleasure of men. Yeah. Like, if you even if it's a TV show, they'll ruin it. You say, I love this show. She'll talk to you. Oh, yeah. You say, I can't wait to go to this restaurant. She'll fucking take forever putting on her makeup. Right. And uh, there'll be a line when you get there. You missed your reservations or some shit. They will ruin something you love. How about this? Ten times out of ten. Yes. No, how about this? I was sitting on the couch, okay? Yeah. And my wife left, okay? She went somewhere, and she was in some mood. And then all of a sudden, she's, like, knocking on the door. Knocking? Yeah, and I'm like, what? She's like... And she just keeps knocking. So I get up, and I go over, and, and I open the door. I'm like, what? And she said, I accidentally took your keys here. And I was like, well, you had them. Why didn't you just open the door and put them down? It was like, no, you have to. The fact that I was sitting down, or maybe I was lying down. Oh, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that crafty? Wow. I was surprised she did that. I That's, said, That is genius-level mind-fucking yeah. cruelty. I was like, that's... That's like something like, well, I've mentioned this before. Women have like what I would call a pharaonic attitude towards men, meaning like Pharaoh. Like, why aren't you, how could I be exploiting your labor, your untapped labor right now? Like, you're just sitting there. Let me think of all the different things. You know what? Um, Could you um, dust over on top of that thing over there? Or <laughs> would you mind... Oh, you're going out? Yeah, oh, I'm going out to do something. Oh, I, while you're going out, can you pick up such and such? Yeah, there's a list. There's a list, yes, for sure. Yeah, always. And I mean, I would never think to ask a woman to do something, except, you know, one thing. But like, I, it's not <laughs> like I'm like, oh, you're going out? Oh, can you pick up... Can uh, you suck my cock before you go? Oh, you know what? We're out of saran wrap. Pick some up. Oh, yeah, I mean, probably wouldn't occur to me usually to do that. Maybe if it was something that I've been out of for like a while... Yeah. And you're just like, fuck. But just like, or something you, you know what? There's one thing I hate doing is mailing packages. My wife doesn't mind doing that. Great. She'll mail some packages no for me. No shit. Now that I love. 
That's awesome. Because I hate filling it out with like a customs thing or something oh, like please. that. So uh, I hate filling out a stamp. How about this? The other day, I'm trying to get the last few minutes of sleep because the alarm's gone off, and I'm I'm talking. I've got 10, 15 minutes here, right? Here's what, and you know, just sleep is a very fragile sort of thing oh. at that moment. You know, I've already been, you know, and Manny's in there making coffee and shit. She goes, uh, hey, do you want a cup of coffee and an Adderall? <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess I have to yell the sound of my voice coming out of my own head, answering yes. this question, and assuming it's, and forget sleep, that's over. No. Why? Right. It's, it's funny. I love that story you just told me about the door. That is like, that... You have to wonder about it's that, like, right? It's almost like devilish. Are you sure that was intentional? No. You, maybe I don't know. Because there's a possibility she's just like, ah, crap, I've keys, you know? Yeah, but she had the keys in her hand. She could have just opened the door. No, I get that. I get that. But in the moment, you know, sometimes women, they claim to have these scatterbrain things going on. I think that's what she said. She was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right. So, or she, she was like, oh, well, I think maybe she thought... For, She's a little superstitious, and maybe she, th- maybe there was like something about, like time, like what time. Like, she likes to do things only at certain times. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> All right, <clears throat> that's peculiar. Yeah, a little but, bit, but interesting. And I would say, uh, I would much rather it be that than like fucking no, just get your ass up and get these yeah. kids. That that would drive me nuts. Right. I mean, I've well, psycho you, women. You shouldn't be lying down now. I remember in Columbus, Ohio, I'm working there. And this fucking, I'm with this girl, right? We've been traveling on the road some. Before we would leave to go to clubs always, right? See, I'm the one going to work to the club, right? She doesn't give a shit if I get there or not. Right. But for me, it's stressful. She goes, I'm ready. I'm like, finally, go stand by the door. And then she never, she's not coming mm-hmm. out until I'm fucking furious. Yeah. And that's when she would come out. That's what five minutes means to a woman. It means go stand by the door. We'll leave right. as soon as you're furious. And uh, so one time she goes, I'm ready. And I was like, I believe I want to see it. You know what I mean? I sat on the couch and I kept watching TV. Sure. Didn't go stand by the door. Finally, she goes to the door. She's like, oh, I told you I was ready. I'm like, great. I get up and walk out. We walk out together. The next night, see, I won that time. Very good. Very brief victory. She stands by the door, gives me a sweet smile and says, I'm all set to go. I'm ready. And then I walk over, and she's like, oh, I forgot something. Uh-huh. Goes to the kitchen, rinses out a glass. Oh, nice. Some bullshit, you know. Right, right, right. In this apartment. Why are we together? Well, We you know, obviously can't yeah. stand each other. Well, women have what you might call like a slave mentality, which is that they, uh, they feel like they are um, life's losers and that they're behind the eight ball. And so they're constantly scheming how can I win on the micro level in uh, every interaction? Uh, Whereas men, we're kind of like the kings. So we're just sort <laughs> of like, oh, you're ready to go? Great, let's go. Wait, what What the fuck? What, are you, are, doing what are you doing? That? But it wouldn't occur to us to like game it and like play like sick little games all the time. No. I just told her, whenever you're ready, go stand by the door and we'll are, leave. Men are nature's aristocrats. Huh. So to us, it wouldn't occur to us to like play some stupid game like that. It would never occur to me to do such a thing. No, you know, I I had a wife one time who told me that, you know, I think sometimes I just start shit 
in order to just do it just to get other things off my mind or something. I just start shit just because I feel like it. Because I got other stuff I'm mad about. It has nothing to do with you, and I'll just start shit with you. I was like, that's that's an incredible thing to say. Yeah. So casually. Right. Because like that, that way of thinking is just could not be more foreign. Right. I think I'll just like everything's cool and I think I'll start some fucking shit with her. Yeah. Fuck her. You, you just have to be going like, man, I don't care about this person's <laughs> mood or day yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. I was going to go accomplish great things, but now I'm having an argument about some shit I don't care about. Men are happy when thing, when nothing's happening. It's like, Ah, peaceful. This it's is great. Contentedness. Yes, let me just say, like Buddha. Every man is like Buddha. Women are—they just need to create noise and trouble. <laughs> Why do they do it, Pat? Because they got all the pussy. Well, I mean, you know what a friend of mine said once. That same guy, Tom Chase. He said, "How would you feel if you had like a gaping wound between your legs?" <laughs> Anything that bleeds for five days and doesn't die, I don't trust. I'll tell you that right now. A big gaping wound. That's probably the best thing to go out on. Yeah. Because we've been here for three hours. It's been a while. Talking about these things. (laughs) What do you think, Pat? I think that (laughs) culturally relevant. And uh, I like the way... You know the the rhyming scheme would sometimes like break up in these unexpected ways. You I know? know that's yeah. like a that's a real real poem. I thought it was very clever. Yeah, she's a, she's almost like of an intimidating sort of creative intelligence. A little bit, you know. That's, no, that's, that's nice. That's a, when people start talking about the girls and the women and the girls taking over and shit like that. Most of them don't have. They don't have a tenth of or a hundredth this creativity oh, and, wow. and intelligence. True, you know. Yeah, some people think I've kind of created a monster. Yeah, I, w- I think that you should definitely take responsibility if that's what you mean. Like it, like financially, when she starts to make all this cash. Oh. If she was, I, I just feel like if that was on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> how could it not go viral? Yeah, but don't you think it's, do you think, pe- I th- she was partially inspired. I think. Oh, you'd was- get fired. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Why would I get fired? Well, I just would. <laughs> I mean, like you said, you created a monster. I guess. They only blame uh, the kid if it's a boy kid. Yeah. If it's a girl kid, they'll blame you. Well, she, she'll be considered the victim in this. Oh, right. Someone that you have exploited for your mm. own personal gain. I see. But one more story here. And this yeah. is just, I want to show you how bad it has gotten. A teenager awoke from a nap on a Bronx bounce subway. He, he was awakened by a homeless man who was performing sex on him. Now, all this like groping of the women has finally gotten out of hand, and now it's spreading to groping of men. And this is when it needs to stop. This does not need to be happening. Let me ask you: How did a homeless guy manage to get this kid's pants off? Well, he didn't. He probably didn't take them all the way on. All right, but even so, uh, I'd say the kid was probably wearing a pair of those basketball shorts, and he just had the elastic waistband. And oh, you're... see, that's the problem. If, you, if you're into wearing your pants low. Oh, right, yeah, it's not well, all that far to go. Whole, that's the whole point of that fashion. That, that was the origins in prison. Talking by another man? Well, the guys who would walk around with their pants low it kind of was like showing that you're up for it. I thought that the reason that they did that was because they didn't have belts in prison. Maybe. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'll see you on Wednesday, Seth. December 5th, uh, 6th, rather. Wednesday. Yes. I mean, that's, that's last chance. This is your last announcement on it. You know, We're not doing this podcast again between now and Wednesday. No, no, we, no. But the next episode you hear of this show... Will have been done in front of an audience. Yes, unless something drastically wrong happens. And it will have a, a wide variety of guests on it. Because, uh, you know, hey, variety is a spice of life. We haven't done a live podcast of New York City Crime Board and put it out in about two years. Oh, you've done this before? Yeah, we did it at Broadway Comedy Club. It was a very, very special show. It was great, actually. Had uh, a different set of people on it, whatever, not worth talking about. But now, this show far eclipses, at least as far as talent goes, I will say that. Oh, wow. Except that, you know, Mandy was on that show, and that was amazing. We did a couple of live shows just for fun around the, along the way, you know, with, with different, you know, more guests and shit like that. However... Uh, it's the first time in a couple of years. Like I said. Great. The audience will be much bigger as well. The room is much bigger and nicer. And uh, everything about it is better. It's at Amsterdam and 75th Street. 75th Street in Amsterdam. Downstairs from Playa Betty's. Are you getting it? Uh, and here's what else you can do. You can, uh, you can have dinner right upstairs if you want. Mm-hmm. But get those reservations if you don't mind. You can get them at crimereport.nyc. Go to crimereport.nyc. There's a link right there that'll take you to the calendar page, right there to the reservations. In fact, no, I didn't make a reservation. Am I going to need one? Or no, you're fine. You're on. You're. You, you have no idea the kind of perks you get when you're talent. You don't have to pay to be on the show to get into the show that you're on. Really? See, I'm new to all this. Thank you one more time, Seth Barron. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for listening. Is it over?
Is it over?